Our scripture is James 1, 22-27, page 854 in the Pew Bible. But don't just listen to God's word. To God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. This is the word of the Lord. When we walked into that room, everything changed for Anna Carson. She didn't know it. She was completely oblivious to anything significant having occurred. Numerous doctors, specialists, nurses had held her. We were just another set of hands and faces on that day. But we weren't there to pull a shift or to assess or address her medical needs. We were there because whether she knew it or not, she was now ours. She had been in that little incubator That was her world. For three weeks when we walked into Greensboro Hospital and met her, and she had another month to go before we could bring her home. The danger of this metaphor is the danger of the gospel, that you and I fail to grasp our orphan status apart from the Heavenly Father. We all know that a baby is nothing if not dependent. They can do absolutely nothing for themselves But then we grow up, and we fool ourselves. We slip into believing that we can handle this. We can handle life. We can control ourselves and take care of everything. We lose sight of our desperate need for God, who describes himself not primarily as our mentor or supervisor or trainer, but as our daddy the one who walks into the room of our lives and changes everything, changes our status, transforms us eternally from orphans to children of God, from lonely to a house full of siblings, from owners of nothing beyond that which is material to co-heirs of his infinite kingdom, from displaced to embraced, from hopeless to hopeful, from wanderers to those who know their destination because we know the one who is the way. The Father chose you. You were no more capable of earning his love than Anna Carson was the day that we met her. Can you imagine the absurdity of us having walked into that critical care nursery and having asked the nurses, what can she do? Can she talk? Can she walk? Is she smart? How silly would it have been for us 
to have had her audition for adoption. Like America's Got Talent, we could have sat back and had them bring all these babies out and let them do their best to capture our hearts, to prove their worth to be our child. That would be absurd. And yet we sometimes set out to do that for our Heavenly Father, to earn His love, to prove ourselves lovable. A question that you have probably been asked many times in your life and you have asked others is, what's your name? Once you know someone's name, then you know something about them. In Bartow County, Georgia, Dover and Dempsey and Colston and Coker, those were the four names that meant everything to me. Those were the names of my grandparents. And they meant something there. You move to North Carolina, you even move to Birmingham, people don't know those names. They don't necessarily mean much. But your name is important. It ties you into a group. It identifies where you belong. Now, you can go down to the courthouse and legally change your name to just about anything you wish, but people will still know you. They'll just change the tense and say, he was Blake Dempsey. His name used to be Blake Dempsey. When your name is up in the air, it's because you are up in the air. Great graphic that Jacinta and Rosanna found for the front of the bulletin this morning. If you haven't looked at that, take a quick look at it. It has this young girl looking into a mirror, and we all know what we see when we look into a mirror. We see ourselves. But in that image, she doesn't see herself. She sees a question mark with the statement, my name was Orphan. An orphan seeks a permanent home, a family, a new name, a means by which to be identified with the group. When names fall off and we identify people by some other method like numbers, that can be dehumanizing. Some of you may have experienced something like that, maybe military life or in the prison system. Your name doesn't matter much. You're assigned a number. I want to show a statement up on the screen. This is a statement that you might not necessarily agree with, but I'm setting out this morning to, to convince you to agree with it. Uh, it's probably four words that perhaps you've never said before, but I would invite you to say these four words with me. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. We were orphans. That was our name. What else can it mean to be lost spiritually? When you're found, you're placed in a family. There are so many scriptures that we could go through this morning and we simply don't have time. But I do want to run through a few of those this morning. There's a couple from the New Testament here. Ephesians 2.19 Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. And from Galatians 3, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. 
from the Psalms, from the Old Testament. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God, whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. The longer passage from one of the most powerful chapters in all of Scripture, Romans chapter 8, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. And from 1 John, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. There's so many verses. We could just go, we could spend all afternoon looking at the scriptural basis for this idea that we were orphaned until God walked in and chose us. When he picked us up and held us, then everything changed. We went from nothing to everything, from heirs of corruption, selfishness, and isolation to heirs of eternal riches, righteousness, and loving community. We were transformed from an identity emanating from within, based on me, what I can do, my credentials, to an identity given to me in grace, chosen, desired, accepted. Understanding the love of God as my adoptive father ought to challenge me to practice the kind of religion that our father accepts as pure and genuine. The passage from James must mean that there are other types of religion, types of religion that disregard the weak and the vulnerable and the poor, the weakest of the world. The song that we sang just a few minutes ago, there are no orphans of God. We are all orphans apart from the Father, but when He steps in, changes our world, it changes our outlook. You imagine a baby disconnected from parents, disconnected from a future, from a home, from the support, from the discipline, from everything that comes with parenthood and family, and that child left to its own simply will not make it. God has done this radical thing for us. He has walked in and changed our status. So how ought that to change us if we know who we are and we know whose we are and we understand that we've gone from nothingness to being brought into the king's palace, literally like Moses was, floating down the river, supposed to have been murdered. And he's drawn out of that water and taken in to the palace and raised as royalty. 
Well, James says that we shouldn't just listen to God's Word and so deceive ourselves, but we should actually do what God says. I want to share with you uh, some statistics about orphans. Uh, 140 million orphans worldwide. In, in our country, in the United States, there are over 400,000 children who have been removed from their homes and placed into foster care. And over a quarter of those, over 100,000 kids are ready, they're awaiting adoption. A child enters foster care every two minutes in the United States on average. So during this worship service, roughly 30 children will come into the care of the state. The average age of those children is between eight and nine, and the average time of their stay in foster care is is just shy of two years, about 20 months. I want to show you another stat here. That's showing, this is in 2012, uh, three million reports of violence against children, about a quarter million uh, placed into the foster care system, 23,000 or so age out each year. The statistics across the bottom are the statistics for those who are coming out of foster care. One in five will become homeless after age 18. Only half will be employed at age 24. Less than 3% will earn a college degree. 71% of young women will be pregnant by the age of 21. And one in four of those children coming out of foster care will experience PTSD. This is an interesting map. I've never seen a visual quite like this, but basically what it does is the, the brown color is representative of each state's uh, children who are in foster care. That bluish uh, color there, that represents the number of churches in each state. So we see the, the number of kids waiting in foster care to be adopted. Uh, that's just over 100,000. And yet there are almost 350,000 churches across the United States. A powerful graphic that, that visually shows us that there are far more churches than there are orphans in this country. So why are there orphans in this country? I want to share a couple of uh, slides with you. We actually have a handout. I did not put it in all of the bulletins, but for those of you who are interested in this, on your way out of the sanctuary this morning on the table, uh, there are copies of this. These are from the Alabama Baptist Children's Home. Uh, If you haven't been around here a while, you're just visiting this morning, then then you may not know that Brookwood has a very strong historical relationship with the Alabama Baptist Children's Home. Uh, Lillian Corley is actually the president of their alumni Um, we, we financially support them. I think every year the Christmas Eve offering goes to the Alabama Baptist Children's Home. But they have this great little resource, 13 things that you can do uh, to serve children in need. So I invite you to take one of those if, if you feel so inclined and, and look over that and see all the different ways that there are to engage uh, children who are orphaned or in foster care. Another one of our partners is Lifeline uh, Children's Services, and they have a number of different ministries. They uh, they have children in foster care, but they're also adopting children uh, all over the world. Uh, 
and that's, that's headquartered here in Birmingham. Uh, and we've partnered with them for, uh, for some time. But one of the things that they have listed on their website is that they desire for every church to have what they call a church ambassador. So if you would be interested in maybe being a liaison between Brookwood and Lifeline to help us keep up to date on different things that they're doing to uh, minister to children in need, then that's, that's another opportunity um, that's out there. The next page, this is a great resource. Uh, whether you're interested in orphans or not, uh, this would be something great for your prayer time. Uh, because when we talk about needs in the world, uh, when we just talk about nameless, faceless uh, needs, it's really hard to be motivated to pray specifically. But uh, this website, I think it's adoptuskids.org, but it's the Alabama Department of Human Resources. Really good website. But you can go on here and, and uh, there's, I think, like eight pages of, of uh, sibling groups and children who are in the Alabama uh, foster care system who are ready to be adopted. And you see those four siblings right there in this one uh, picture who are 10, 11, 12, and 15 years old. You can click on that and it gives you more information about those kids. Uh, it gives you their name. And what a great tool uh, to go on and allow that to kind of guide your prayer time for those who are orphaned in our state. And I think that's where we need to start. If we understand that our status is spiritually one who, who was an orphan and now we have been brought in by the grace of God into the family of God, we have to be praying for the widows and the orphans of the world. Religion that is pure and genuine in the sight of God the Father is caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. We'll never care for them if we don't pray for them. This must be grafted into our regular prayer lives. Father, bless the orphan and the widow. Help me love an orphan. How do we care for orphans? You can adopt a child, uh, thereby removing their orphan status, and some families in Brookwood have, have done that. You can have a foster child. You can feed a hungry orphan, clothe a naked orphan, shelter a homeless orphan, teach an illiterate orphan, treat a sick orphan, be a friend. There are 5,000 orphans in the state of Alabama, roughly 10% of those, about 500 are currently in the care of the Alabama Baptist Children's Home. Think about this statistic from UNICEF. The births of nearly 230 million children under age 5 worldwide have never been recorded, depriving them of their right to a name and a nationality. So we come back to the question toward the beginning of our time together, what's your name? I know what it was. It was the same as mine, orphan. But when we come together every Sunday and numerous times throughout the week to worship, to fellowship, to serve, we come together in the greatest name of all. The name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, the name of Jesus. And we're called by that name, Christians. Christians. Little Christs, 
How do we love the orphan, those without a family name? We share our name with them by sharing the name of Christ with them. We share life. We love the orphan because it is God's definition of true and pure religion. We were orphans, adopted. We care for the orphan because Christ cares for the orphan. He self-identifies with the orphan, the weak, and the vulnerable. Would you commit to learning an orphan's name and pray for that name regularly? Care for the poor is not an explicitly Christian value. All the world's major religions acknowledge that there's virtue in showing mercy to the weakest among us. Most Christian denominations, including our own, have been in the business of caring for orphans and the sick for as long as those denominations have existed. If you're not currently involved in a ministry that serves the poor, there are many opportunities right here at Brookwood to serve both locally and globally. And I will add that an invitation to an unchurched or non-Christian friend to join you in that good work of serving the poor just might be the path that God would bless for that friend to become a part of this family of God. Know the love of God as your adoptive father and share that love with someone who needs it. The last verse that I want to share with you this morning from the book of 1 Samuel. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. Would you pray with me? Abba Father, our Daddy, We thank you, Lord, that you have walked in to the room of our lives, that you have gently picked us up and held us in your arms, that you have transformed us. We were hopeless, God. We were were dead in our sin. We were so weak and vulnerable on life support. And yet, Lord, you have held us close to your chest, allowing us to hear your heartbeat. You have whispered sweet truths into our ear. You have sung lullabies over us, God. Lord, forgive us, for there are days and moments where we lose sight of our former orphan status and we fall into the trap of legalism, of of working, of trying to prove ourselves worthy of your love, trying to earn our status as children. And Lord, we don't need to do that. May we rest in the truth of knowing that we are yours not because of all of our good works. Lord, those things apart from your grace are worthless, filthy rags. But God, because you have looked on us and you have had mercy and you have treasured us, God, and you have said to us who were once orphans, you have said, you are mine, son, daughter.
Lord, may we rest now and always in that truth. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for taking us unto yourself, for changing our outlook, for redeeming our eternity, for giving us hope. In Jesus' precious and powerful name we pray. Amen.